you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. As dawn broke on the morning of October 25, 1942, the Pacific Ocean remained seemingly serene and undisturbed, belying the tensions brewing beneath its tranquil surface. Two of the world's mightiest naval powers, the United States and Imperial Japan, were about to clash in what would be remembered as one of the pivotal battles of the Pacific Theater during World War II, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Located in the Solomons, this cluster of islands was an obscure part of the world that had suddenly assumed global significance. To the east lay the vast expanses of the Pacific Ocean, to the west, the thick jungles of Guadalcanal, where American and Japanese soldiers were already locked in a bitter and brutal conflict. It was against this backdrop that a naval confrontation, both unexpected and unprecedented in its scale, was about to unfold. From the high command in the ornate offices of Washington and Tokyo to the deck crews on the heaving carriers and battleships, decisions were made, orders were given, and lives were forever changed. Admirals, sailors, airmen, and marines on both sides found themselves at the center of a swirling vortex of combat, where courage was as necessary as ammunition. As we delve into this saga, we will explore the causes and the calamities the strategies and the sacrifices, and the ripple effects that extended far beyond the Pacific theater. This is not just a tale of naval warfare and military strategy, but a story about individuals whose lives were irrevocably intertwined with the tumultuous events of the Battle of Santa Cruz Islands. Their stories of heroism, sacrifice, and perseverance remind us that behind every historical event are the people who shaped them and are, in turn, shaped by them. So, let us step back into the early 1940s, a time when the world was at war, and journey to the Santa Cruz Islands, a corner of the Pacific where the waves of history were about to crash with thunderous force. Chapter 1. The Prelude As the 1930s gave way to the 40s, an ominous storm was gathering over the vast expanse of the Pacific. It was a storm made not of rain and wind, but of political ambitions and naval power. At its center were two formidable nations, the United States and Imperial Japan, each set on a course that would inevitably lead to conflict. On one side was the United States, a nation striving to recover from the economic scars of the Great Depression. It was also a country gradually realizing its role as a global superpower, watching warily as the shadow of conflict crept closer to its Pacific doorstep. At the helm was President Franklin D. Roosevelt a leader known for his unyielding spirit and indomitable will. His gaze was focused across the Pacific, where he saw a threat to American interests that could not be ignored. Meanwhile, on the other side of the Pacific, 
Japan was gripped by an entirely different kind of storm. One fueled by a fervent nationalism and a thirst for imperial expansion that knew no bounds. Guiding this expansion was Admiral Isoroki Yamamoto, a seasoned military strategist who believed in the power of the naval fleet and the importance of a strong offensive strategy. Even though an ocean separated these two nations, their fates were becoming intertwined in a dangerous dance of diplomacy and potential destruction. The stage was set for a major confrontation, one that would not only shape the course of World War II, but also redefine the balance of power in the Pacific. In the midst of this rising tension, both nations made strategic maneuvers. Roosevelt imposed an embargo on Japan, targeting key resources such as oil and iron, which were vital for Japan's military machine. The Japanese government, incensed by this blatant show of American power, responded by accelerating their plans for expansion. Amidst these mounting pressures, Yamamoto set his sights on a strategic goal, the Solomon Islands. He believed capturing this territory would provide a valuable foothold for further expansion while undermining American control in the Pacific. Unbeknownst to Yamamoto, his counterpart, Admiral Chester Nimitz, was watching these developments with a keen eye. The game was on, and the board was the vast, seemingly placid waters of the Pacific Ocean. As the storm clouds gathered, both nations found themselves on an inevitable path to war, a path that would lead to a confrontation around an obscure group of islands that the world would soon know as Santa Cruz. Little did they know, their actions would ignite one of the most intense battles in the Pacific theater, a battle that would echo through the ages. As tensions escalated in the Pacific, the theater became a high-stakes chessboard with each side skillfully maneuvering their naval fleets. The powerful armadas of the United States and Japan were not just collections of steel and firepower but integral pieces in a complex dance of power and strategy. Admiral Chester Nimitz, the U.S. Pacific Fleet Commander, was a man of quiet intensity. From his headquarters at Pearl Harbor, he keenly observed the movements of his adversary. A master of logistics and a veteran of submarine warfare, Nimitz understood the significance of patience and planning in the vast, unforgiving expanse of the Pacific. Several thousand miles away, Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto orchestrated his fleet with a similar strategic acumen. The Harvard-educated Yamamoto was a keen tactician and a fervent believer in naval aviation. His command post on the battleship Yamato hummed with a meticulous rhythm, reflecting Yamamoto's methodical approach to warfare. The focus of this elaborate naval ballet was the Solomon Islands. For the Japanese, seizing control of this archipelago was a strategic imperative. It would solidify their defensive perimeter, provide a launch pad for further expansions, and deal a psychological blow to the Americans. Nimitz, however, recognized the Japanese strategy for what it was and understood that losing the Solomons could destabilize the entire South Pacific. The challenge was enormous, but Nimitz and his men were undeterred. After all, overcoming adversity was something Nimitz knew well, having risen to the top despite losing his first command to a ship-grounding incident. The waters around the Solomon Islands became a flurry of activity as the adversaries moved their pieces. Carriers, battleships, cruisers, and destroyers sliced through the waves, 
their wakes crisscrossing the azure expanse. Above them, planes roared, their propellers cutting through the air as they moved in orchestrated patterns, preparing for the inevitable confrontation. The dance was far from over, though, and both Nimitz and Yamamoto knew it. Each move, each decision was a calculated gamble in a game where the stakes were not just islands, but the very course of the war. Amid this tense waltz, the Santa Cruz Islands came into focus, becoming the center of a dramatic conflict that was about to unfold. The stage was set, the dancers ready. It was time for the music of war to play its somber tune. The stage was set, and all eyes turned towards an inconspicuous part of the Pacific, the Santa Cruz Islands. Neither Nimitz nor Yamamoto could have predicted how these remote islands would become the backdrop to one of the most pivotal naval battles in the Pacific War. Nimitz, standing on the deck of his command ship, looked out over the Pacific expanse, feeling the weight of his decisions. He knew the fate of countless sailors and airmen rested on his shoulders. The same was true for Yamamoto, who spent long hours in the command room of his battleship, surrounded by charts and diagrams planning his next move. The tension between them was palpable, even though they were thousands of miles apart. As the American and Japanese fleets closed in on Santa Cruz, the ocean became a swirling vortex of activity. Scout planes zigzagged across the sky, and radio waves buzzed with coded messages. Everyone knew that the first shots could be fired at any moment. The anticipation was both electric and unnerving. The role of the Santa Cruz Islands in the Pacific theater became increasingly clear. For the Japanese, capturing the islands would provide a vital springboard for launching operations towards New Caledonia, Fiji, and Samoa, effectively cutting off Australia from its American ally. For the United States, the islands represented a defensive line that could not be breached. They were prepared to do everything possible to deny the Japanese control of this territory. In this strategic chess match, the Santa Cruz Islands became the king that both sides were desperate to checkmate. The once tranquil islands, home to just a few thousand inhabitants, had suddenly become a critical pawn in a global conflict. The road to Santa Cruz was fraught with high stakes and intense pressure. Every day brought new challenges whether it was a weather complication, a mechanical issue, or an unexpected enemy move. As the tension built, so did the resolve of the men involved, their determination forged in the crucible of conflict. As dawn broke on October 25, 1942, the tension reached its peak. The naval dance had reached its final move, the curtain was about to rise, and the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands was about to begin. Neither Nimitz nor Yamamoto could predict the outcome, but both understood that whatever happened would have far-reaching implications for the Pacific War and beyond. This was more than a battle, it was a moment of destiny that would echo through the ages. Chapter 2 Key Figures In the throes of the Pacific War, the admirals at the helm of the U.S. and Japanese fleets played an essential role. Their decisions, insights, and experiences shaped the course of the events that led to the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Admiral Chester Nimitz, with his steely eyes and calm demeanor, was a portrait of composed leadership amid chaos. From his command post in Pearl Harbor, 
he directed the American Pacific Fleet with a steady hand and a strategic mind. He was known for his meticulousness, spending countless hours reviewing intelligence reports, studying enemy tactics, and planning his countermoves. On the other side, Admiral Isoroki Yamamoto, a respected and seasoned leader, directed the combined fleet of the Imperial Japanese Navy. Yamamoto was a strategic thinker who understood the power of naval aviation. He had masterminded the attack on Pearl Harbor, demonstrating his tactical prowess and innovative approach to warfare. As the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands loomed, both admirals faced a test of their leadership and strategic acumen. Nimitz, fully aware of the stakes at hand, ordered the American carriers to launch their aircraft against the approaching Japanese forces. His goal was clear, to halt the Japanese advance and protect the strategically crucial Solomon Islands. In response, Yamamoto made a bold move. Believing in the superiority of his naval air power, he ordered his aircraft carriers to launch a full-scale air assault against the U.S. fleet. His aim was to break the American defensive line, seize control of the Santa Cruz Islands, and gain a strategic advantage in the Pacific. These were the moments when the decisions of two men could change the course of history. Despite the pressures, both Nimitz and Yamamoto remained steadfast. Their commitment to their nations and their belief in their strategies provided the guiding force as their fleets engaged in a ferocious battle that would determine the balance of power in the Pacific. As the deafening sounds of the naval artillery and aircraft engines filled the air, both admirals stood resolute, their eyes fixed on the unfolding conflict. They knew this was more than just a battle, it was a crucible where strategies were tested, heroes were born, and the course of a war could be changed forever. Their actions on this fateful day would not only shape the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands but also cast long shadows over the Pacific War. While the admirals were the strategic masterminds of the battle, the men on deck were the ones who turned their plans into action. Among the sailors and airmen, there were individuals who stood out, leaving their marks on the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Lieutenant Commander John C. Waldron was one of these men. Leading the Torpedo Squadron 8 from the carrier USS Hornet, Waldron was a seasoned pilot known for his bold tactics and resolute spirit. As the sound of the carrier's engines roared in his ears, he knew the task ahead would test his skills and courage like never before. Another exceptional figure was Lieutenant Yukio Seiki, a dedicated Japanese pilot who led his squadron with an unwavering commitment. Seiki, renowned for his ability to keep a cool head in the heat of battle, was tasked with penetrating the formidable American defenses. He was aware that the success of the mission heavily relied on his abilities and those of his men. As the battle commenced, the decks of the American and Japanese carriers came alive with activity. Sailors and airmen raced around, fueling aircraft, loading munitions, and preparing for the assault. The air was thick with anticipation and the deafening roar of engines preparing for takeoff. Waldron led his squadron into the air, the powerful roar of their engines echoing across the Pacific. Despite the danger that lay ahead, there was a certain exilarity in the moment, a sense of purpose that outweighed fear. On the Japanese side, Seiki and his squadron took to the skies with a similar sense of determination. 
The men on deck watched their comrades take to the skies, their faces a mix of concern and pride. Each man knew his duty and understood the stakes. The guns were loaded, the engines were roaring, and the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands was underway. Amid the chaos, courage and duty kept them focused. As the aircraft disappeared into the horizon, the men left behind turned their attention to their tasks, each action critical in the ballet of war. As they worked, their thoughts were with their comrades in the air. They knew that their actions on the deck were just as crucial to the outcome of the battle as the maneuvers happening thousands of feet above them. The men on deck were the unsung heroes of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Their stories, woven into the broader narrative of the battle, highlighted the human elements of war, reminding us that behind every strategy and maneuver were the individuals who made them possible. While the battle raged on the open sea and in the skies above, a different kind of struggle was taking place behind the scenes. This was the realm of the cryptographers, radio operators, and intelligence officers whose work was as pivotal to the outcome as any display of firepower on the front lines. The efforts of men like Joseph Rockefeller, a U.S. naval officer and crypt analyst, played an essential role in the unfolding battle. From a cramped, dimly lit office filled with papers and coding machines, Rockefeller led a team of codebreakers trying to crack the Japanese naval code. Their work was a high-stakes puzzle, a race against time where each solved cipher could provide a potentially game-changing piece of intelligence. Rockefeller was a man of singular focus, known for his unorthodox methods and tireless work ethic. His dedication to his work was total, his eyes often bloodshot from long hours spent poring over strings of indecipherable characters, searching for patterns and meanings. Across the ocean, Japanese intelligence officer Hiroshi Oshima played a similar role for his side. Working diligently in a small office in Tokyo, Oshima coordinated the collection and analysis of intelligence, aiming to predict American strategy. His role was crucial as the Japanese high command heavily relied on his reports to make their strategic decisions. Oshima was a disciplined and dedicated officer, his analytical mind always searching for the subtle clues that could reveal the enemy's intentions. As the Japanese fleet steamed towards the Santa Cruz Islands, Oshima's messages flew back and forth, providing updates and analysis on the unfolding situation. While the sound of gunfire echoed across the Pacific, these men worked in a world of silence, their battleground a sea of codes and numbers. Their weapons were their minds, and their victories came not with a bang but with the quiet satisfaction of a puzzle solved, a pattern recognized, or a message decoded. The impact of their work was profound. Despite being far from the front lines, these men shaped the course of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Their efforts, though unseen, were felt in every maneuver, every command decision, and every shot fired. The story of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands was not only one of admirals, sailors, and airmen. It was also a tale of the unsung heroes who worked tirelessly behind the curtains, their intellect and dedication proving as potent as any torpedo or bomb. The war was won not only on the open sea and in the air but also in the quiet rooms filled with paper, pencils, and coding machines. Chapter 3 The Clash at Santa Cruz the morning of October 26, 
1942, dawned with the first light of day spilling over the vast expanse of the Pacific. The tranquil scene belied the imminent storm that was about to erupt as American and Japanese forces converged on the Santa Cruz Islands. Admiral Nimitz, having received confirmation of Japanese movement towards the islands, gave the order that would signal the beginning of the conflict. The words rang out through the radio room of the USS Enterprise, launch the aircraft. Meanwhile, on the Japanese side, Lieutenant Yukio Seiki received his orders to lead the first wave of attack. As his Zero fighter was catapulted into the sky from the deck of the Shokaku, he understood the gravity of his mission. He was about to fire the first shots of what would be a decisive battle in the Pacific War. The initial encounters were fierce as American and Japanese aircraft met in the skies. Gunfire echoed across the vast ocean as planes weaved and darted through the air, each side aiming to strike the first significant blow. From the sea below, sailors could only watch, their eyes tracing the trails of smoke and fire that scarred the otherwise clear sky. The first significant strike came when American SBD Dauntless dive bombers, led by Lieutenant Commander Edward Butch O'Hare, successfully hit the Japanese carrier Shokaku, causing significant damage and forcing it to retreat. A cheer went up from the American side as smoke rose from the Japanese ship, the sight providing a morale boost to the U.S. fleet. For the Japanese, the first blow was a reminder that the Americans would not be an easy adversary. It steeled their resolve, and they countered with a barrage of attacks from their aircraft, which descended upon the USS Hornet. As the first day of battle drew to a close, both sides had traded blows, each feeling the sting of the other's attack. The first shots had been fired, the battle lines drawn, and the Pacific was a battleground. Yet, this was only the beginning of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands a conflict that would have far-reaching effects on the course of the Pacific War. In the heart of the battle, the open ocean became a theater of war, filled with the roar of engines, the echo of artillery, and the high-pitched whine of diving aircraft. As the USS Hornet and USS Enterprise engaged with the Japanese fleet, each moment became a testament to the bravery and tenacity of the men involved. Lieutenant Commander John C. Waldron, in the midst of this pandemonium, led his torpedo squadron in a daring attack on the Japanese carrier Zuho. His face was set in a grim determination as he maneuvered his aircraft through a hail of anti-aircraft fire. Despite heavy losses, his squadron pressed on, scoring a direct hit that set the Zuho ablaze. Meanwhile, on board the USS Enterprise, Damage control teams worked feverishly to repair a hole left by a Japanese bomb. Petty Officer Charles Norman, his uniform stained with sweat and soot, led his team as they fought fires and patched up the carrier. His steadfast leadership in the face of crisis kept his men focused, averting a potential disaster and ensuring the Enterprise stayed in the fight. As the battle raged on, the Japanese proved to be formidable opponents. Admiral Yamamoto, with a determined look on his face, issued orders from his flagship Yamato. He launched a counterattack, directing his carriers and their aircraft against the USS Hornet, scoring hits that set the American carrier on fire. Back on the USS Hornet, the sight of smoke billowing from the ship struck a chord of determination among the crew. 
sailors and airmen worked together to fight the fire, their resolve undiminished despite the dire situation. As dusk fell, the ocean was lit up by the fires of battle, painting a vivid tableau of war. It was a scene that those who survived would remember for the rest of their lives, the sight of burning ships, the echo of gunfire, and the determination etched on the faces of their comrades. The events of that day were a testament to the spirit of the men who fought in the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Amid the noise and chaos, they stood tall, their bravery and commitment shining through adding a human touch to the grim reality of war. October 27, 1942, dawned with the grim promise of continued conflict. It was a day that would go down in history for the extraordinary acts of bravery and the intense fighting that marked the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. On the USS Hornet, sailors woke to a ship that was still burning. Undeterred, men like Petty Officer James Davis, a damage control man, carried on with their duties. Davis, known for his calm demeanor even in the face of danger, coordinated efforts to extinguish the fire and save their ship. The tenacity of these men exemplified the spirit of the American Navy. In the skies, American and Japanese aircraft once again locked in deadly combat. Lieutenant Yukio Seiki, in his Zero Fighter, engaged American F-4F Wildcats. The skies were filled with a dangerous ballet of aircraft, each pilot trying to gain the advantage. For Seiki, this day would mark a particularly fierce battle as he tried to defend his carrier against the American onslaught. Back at the helm of the USS Enterprise, Admiral Kincaid made a difficult decision. With the USS Hornet heavily damaged and under continued attack, he gave the order to abandon ship. It was a heartbreaking decision a testament to the ferocity of the battle and the heavy losses sustained. Despite the order, some men on the Hornet refused to abandon their ship. Instead, they continued to fight the fires, hopeful they could save their vessel. Their actions were a testament to the indomitable spirit of the American sailor and a poignant moment in the history of the battle. As the sun set on this day of infamy, both sides had suffered heavy losses. The USS Hornet was lost, and the Japanese carriers Shokaku and Zuho were heavily damaged. The Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands had exacted a high price from both sides, marking a significant moment in the Pacific War. This day was etched into the memory of those who survived. They would carry with them not only the vivid images of the battle but also the courage and determination they had witnessed amongst their comrades. It was a day of infamy but also a day of remarkable bravery and unwavering commitment to duty. Chapter 4. The Turning Tide In the aftermath of the intense battle, the leaders of both sides had to make critical tactical decisions that would impact not only the remainder of the battle but also the course of the Pacific War. On board the USS Enterprise, Admiral Kincaid faced a predicament. The loss of the USS Hornet left his fleet significantly weakened. Yet, surrendering the field to the Japanese was not an option. Kincaid, known for his strategic mind and steady demeanor, had to weigh the risk of further engagement against the need to hold the line. Kincaid decided to keep the Enterprise in the combat zone despite the risk. It was a bold decision, one that reflected the Admiral's determination to maintain a U.S. presence in the region. 
he ordered the aircraft to continue their attacks on the Japanese fleet while the ship's crew worked relentlessly to repair the damages. In contrast, Japanese Admiral Yamamoto, on board his flagship Yamato, faced his dilemma. His fleet had scored a significant victory by sinking the USS Hornet, but at a heavy cost. Both the Shokaku and Zuho were severely damaged, limiting his offensive capabilities. Yamamoto, a seasoned commander with a keen strategic mind, had to choose between pressing the attack or withdrawing. Yamamoto chose caution. He ordered a withdrawal, deciding to conserve his forces for future battles. This decision, while pragmatic, meant conceding the tactical initiative to the Americans, a move that would have significant implications for the rest of the war. In the unforgiving theater of war, these tactical decisions, taken under immense pressure, revealed much about the leaders and their approach to warfare. Kincaid's boldness and Yamamoto's prudence were not just strategies but also reflections of their characters. Their decisions that day would echo through the remaining years of the Pacific War, a testament to the importance of leadership in the face of adversity. In the immediate aftermath of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, the Japanese had reasons to celebrate. They had achieved a significant tactical victory, sinking the USS Hornet, one of the main carriers in the U.S. fleet. However, the triumph was far from straightforward, and understanding why Japan triumphed requires an examination of several key factors. One of the most critical elements was Japan's skillful use of aircraft. Under the experienced leadership of Rear Admiral Jisaburo Ozawa, the Japanese aviators demonstrated excellent coordination and precision. Ozawa's aircrews launched waves of coordinated attacks that overwhelmed the American defenses, leading to the devastating strikes on the USS Hornet. Moreover, the Japanese had superior knowledge of the local maritime conditions. Admiral Yamamoto's fleet was well prepared for the challenging weather and sea conditions in the South Pacific having already engaged in several battles in this region. This familiarity provided them with an important advantage during the battle, enabling them to maneuver effectively against the American forces. Finally, the Japanese had the element of surprise on their side. Despite the United States knowing of their presence, the Japanese fleet was able to use the vast expanse of the Pacific Ocean to effectively conceal their exact location and movements, allowing them to launch their attacks with an element of surprise. However, Japan's victory came at a high price. Their carriers Shokaku and Zuho were severely damaged, and they lost a significant number of aircraft and experienced pilots. While the sinking of the USS Hornet was a blow to the U.S. Pacific Fleet, the heavy losses suffered by the Japanese meant that the balance of power in the Pacific remained on a knife edge. The aftermath of the battle underscored the stark reality of war even in victory, the cost could be severe. As the smoke cleared and the ocean waves lapped at the debris from the brutal battle, both sides took stock of the immense costs of their engagement at the Santa Cruz Islands. The tally was not just of ships and aircraft, but also of the human lives tragically lost and forever changed. On the American side, the loss of the USS Hornet was deeply felt. The ship had been a symbol of American naval power in the Pacific, and its sinking was a bitter blow. Beyond the material loss, the human cost was significant. 
Hundreds of sailors were killed or wounded, their lives cut short or forever altered by the violence of war. Men like Petty Officer James Davis were left with scars, both physical and mental, that would remain with them long after the battle was over. The Japanese, despite their tactical victory, also paid a steep price. Their carriers Shokaku and Zuho were severely damaged, and the loss of aircraft and pilots was considerable. These losses would have long-term effects on Japan's ability to wage war in the Pacific. Admiral Yamamoto, in his cabin on the Yamato, couldn't help but reflect on the price of this victory. For men like Yamamoto, the costs of war were not merely strategic but deeply personal. The death of young pilots, the likes of Lieutenant Yukio Seiki, was a burden that weighed heavily on their hearts. The Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, thus, underscored the harsh reality of war. Victory and defeat were not just about strategic gains or losses, but also about the devastating human toll. The scars left by the battle were not only on the hulls of the surviving ships but also on the hearts and souls of the men who fought in it. The costs of war, as highlighted by this pivotal battle, were indeed high, a somber reminder of the true price of conflict. Chapter 5 Broader Impacts on World War II The Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, while a tactical victory for Japan, had significant strategic implications that reverberated through the rest of World War II. Following the battle, the balance of power in the Pacific was teetering. The United States, though it had lost the USS Hornet, still had the USS Enterprise. And while it was damaged, Admiral Kincaid's decision to keep it in the battle zone ensured an American presence in the region. The Enterprise, along with newly commissioned carriers, began to fill the void left by the Hornet, ensuring that American naval power in the Pacific was far from diminished. On the other hand, Japan's fleet, while victorious, was severely weakened. The damage inflicted on their carrier Shokaku and Zuho limited their offensive capabilities. Furthermore, the loss of a significant number of aircraft and pilots, who were not easily replaceable, began to erode Japan's air superiority in the Pacific. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., the battle impacted strategic planning. Despite the loss, American military strategists, including the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Ernest King, began to see a shift in momentum. The resilience shown by the U.S. Navy at Santa Cruz gave them confidence that they could hold the line against Japan. In Tokyo, Japanese military leaders, including the Chief of the Navy General Staff, Admiral Osami Nagano, had to reassess their strategies. The heavy losses sustained in achieving a tactical victory underscored the need for a more sustainable approach to the war. In essence, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands marked a pivotal point in the Pacific War. It exposed the vulnerabilities of both sides, forced a reassessment of strategies, and shaped future battles in the Pacific. The echoes of the Santa Cruz engagement were heard throughout the remainder of the war, and its strategic implications were felt long after the guns had fallen silent. In the grand panorama of the Pacific War, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands represented a moment of change, a point at which the tide began to subtly shift. The aftermath of the battle set the stage for the future unfolding of the conflict, impacting the war strategies of both the United States and Japan.
For the Americans, the resilience demonstrated at Santa Cruz fueled their determination to push back against Japan's aggressive expansion in the Pacific. The U.S. Navy, despite the loss of the USS Hornet, remained a formidable force. The still operational USS Enterprise, coupled with the newly commissioned carriers, began to tilt the scales in favor of the United States. American industrial capacity and resourcefulness were on full display, rapidly replacing lost ships and planes, and even outpacing Japan's production. Meanwhile, on the Japanese side, the victory at Santa Cruz proved Pyrrhic. The damage sustained by their carriers and the loss of experienced pilots began to undermine their dominance in the Pacific. Unlike the United States, Japan could not quickly replace these losses due to its limited industrial capacity. This was a turning point that began to erode the momentum that Japan had enjoyed early in the war. Strategists in Washington, D.C., such as Admiral Ernest King, recognized this shift. The United States began to move from a defensive stance in the Pacific to a more offensive one. This marked the start of a strategic transition that would lead to key victories in later battles, such as Guadalcanal and Midway, gradually turning the tide of the war in the United States' favor. In Tokyo, Japanese leaders, including Admiral Osami Nagano, had to grapple with the sobering realities exposed by the battle. Despite a tactical victory, the strategic balance was beginning to waver. The aftermath of the battle spurred them to rethink their war strategy, leading to an increasingly defensive posture. In these contrasting responses to the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, we see the beginning of a shift, a turning of the tide that would have profound implications for the outcome of the Pacific War. The echoes of Santa Cruz would resonate in the years to come, shaping the strategies and decisions that ultimately determine the course of the conflict. As news of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands spread across the world, it reverberated far beyond the shores of the Pacific, even reaching the distant battlefields of the Atlantic. The battle and its implications became a focal point in the war rooms of Allied and Axis powers alike. In Washington, D.C., President Franklin Roosevelt and his advisors, including the sagacious Secretary of War Henry Stimson, discussed the battle's outcome. Although the loss of the USS Hornet was a blow, the resilience shown by the American forces was a beacon of hope. It suggested that, with increased industrial output and a relentless fighting spirit, the United States could hold its own against Japan in the Pacific, leaving them free to continue their fight against Germany in the Atlantic. Across the ocean in London, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and his advisors, including the shrewd chief of the Imperial General Staff, General Alan Brooke, found in the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands a message of American determination. This reinforced their belief in the strength of the Allied alliance and fueled their resolve to stand against the Axis powers in Europe. However, in Berlin, the mood was quite different. German Chancellor Adolf Hitler and his inner circle, including the ruthless propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels, attempted to capitalize on the battle. They painted the engagement as a significant defeat for the Allies, using it as a propaganda tool to boost morale on the home front. However, the savvy military strategists among them, such as Admiral Karl Donitz, recognized the implications of the battle. 
Despite its loss, the resilience and fighting spirit shown by the U.S. Navy signaled a strengthening enemy that could not be underestimated. Meanwhile, in Rome, Italian dictator Benito Mussolini and his advisors pondered the outcome of the battle. They saw the reality of a war that was becoming increasingly challenging, with the strength of the U.S. Navy at Santa Cruz hinting at the uphill battle that the Axis powers faced. In this way, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands reverberated across the Atlantic, influencing conversations, decisions, and strategies on both sides of the World War. Its echoes were felt in every corner of the globe, underlining the interconnected nature of the global conflict and driving home the hard realities of a war that was far from over. Chapter 6 The Battle's Legacy The Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, with all its fire and fury, was not just another clash of navies during World War II. It was a critical moment of reckoning that yielded several important lessons, lessons that would shape the conduct of the war and the course of naval warfare for decades to come. One of the first lessons was the critical importance of maintaining operational capabilities even in the face of significant losses. The American forces, despite the sinking of the USS Hornet, managed to keep the USS Enterprise in the battle zone, a decision that underlined the value of resilience and adaptability. This lesson was not lost on Admiral Chester Nimitz, Commander-in-Chief of the Pacific Fleet, who drew upon this experience in planning subsequent operations. The battle also underscored the crucial role of experienced personnel. The heavy loss of trained Japanese pilots during the battle exposed a vulnerability that Japan could not easily overcome due to its limited training capacity. This understanding deeply influenced U.S. Pacific strategy. Admiral William Bull Halsey, a key figure in the Pacific theater, emphasized preserving skilled manpower and accelerating pilot training programs, learning from the predicament of their adversaries. Another pivotal lesson was the power of industrial capacity in determining the outcomes of a prolonged war. While the United States was able to replace its losses relatively quickly, Japan struggled due to its limited resources and industrial infrastructure. This fact was not lost on U.S. Secretary of War Henry Stimson, who championed the expansion of American industrial production to support the war effort. The Battle of Santa Cruz also served as a sobering reminder of the brutal costs of war. The losses on both sides highlighted the human cost and drove home the importance of seeking effective but less costly strategies. This lesson resonated deeply with leaders on both sides, including U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt and Japanese Prime Minister Hideki Tojo, influencing their approaches to the conflict in the years that followed. In these lessons from Santa Cruz, we see how a single battle can offer insights that echo through time, shaping strategies and tactics, molding leaders, and redefining the course of history. These lessons, hard-earned in the crucible of conflict, continue to resonate, underlining the enduring significance of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. In the aftermath of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, the world moved on propelled by the urgency of an ongoing war. Yet the memory of the battle and the sacrifices made by those who fought it did not fade into oblivity. Across the world, monuments were erected, and events were held to honor those who fought, died, and lived to tell the tale. In Washington, D.C., 
Within the hallowed halls of the U.S. Navy Memorial, a dedicated plaque commemorates the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. The plaque, simple yet solemn, carries the names of the ships involved and the date of the battle, a testament to the courage of the sailors who took part in the fierce conflict. On the anniversary of the battle, ceremonies are held, attended by veterans, their families, and representatives from the Navy. Stories of valor and sacrifice are shared, linking the past to the present and ensuring that the legacy of the battle lives on. Half a world away, in Tokyo, the Yasukuni Shrine stands as a remembrance of all those who died in service of Japan, including those who lost their lives in the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. Ceremonies are held here too, though they are solemn, often contemplative events. The pain of loss and the costs of war are acknowledged, serving as a reminder of the heavy price that comes with conflict. Back on the Santa Cruz Islands, remnants of the battle remain, scattered across the ocean floor. Divers and historians visit these underwater monuments, exploring the sunken ships and lost artifacts. These relics, preserved by the sea, offer a tangible connection to the past, a glimpse into a moment of history that shaped the future of the world. Around the globe, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands lives on in memories, monuments, and in the hearts of those who remember. The impact of the battle is not confined to the history books but is part of the living memory, a tribute to the bravery and sacrifice of those who fought, and a poignant reminder of the cost of war. As the final echoes of the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands faded, its impact reverberated through the annals of history, etching its place in the chronicles of World War II and shaping our understanding of the war in the Pacific. The battle entered military academia as a case study in tactical decisions and strategic implications. Military historians, such as Samuel Elliott Morrison and Richard B. Frank, have analyzed and reanalyzed the decisions made by the admirals, the effectiveness of the tactics used, and the larger strategic implications. Their works offer a rich tapestry of insights into the minds of the men who helmed the ships and the forces that shaped their choices. In popular culture too, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands found a place. Books such as Miracle at Midway by Gordon Prang and Sea of Thunder by Evan Thomas tell the tale of the battle with dramatic flair, transporting readers back to the turbulent waters of the Pacific. On the silver screen, the battle has been recreated in films like The Battle of Midway and War in Remembrance, offering visually stunning representations of the fierce conflict. In Japan, the battle has been depicted in manga and anime like Kantai Collection and Zip On, bringing the history of the battle to younger generations. On the American side, veterans of the battle have shared their experiences through memoirs and interviews, contributing to a living history that keeps the memory of the battle alive. From the political halls of power to the lecture halls of academia, from pages of books to frames of films, the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands has left a lasting imprint. It serves as a reminder of the challenges and costs of war, the valor and sacrifice of those who fight, and the complex interplay of decisions that can tip the scales of history. Today, as we look back at the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, we do so not just to remember a moment of conflict, but to understand a moment that encapsulates the human spirit, the courage to fight, the resilience to endure, and the wisdom to learn. In this way, 
the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands, far from being a distant echo of the past, remains a relevant part of our collective history, a story that continues to unfold, instruct, and inspire.